What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another special episode of whatever this is. We're rebranding the show, so we're not quite sure what this is going cool. to be. Uh, I'm joined by a very special guest to me, um, Dr. Corey Stotesbury. Uh, Corey, you are a, well, you're my therapist for one. There we go. Which is very fascinating. So we've known each other for about a year. Uh, I've told the story uh, on the podcast, obviously, of my claustrophobia. Am I dealing with that? And I've told people that I'm going to... Um, to see I'm seeing somebody to help me through that, and you are that somebody. That's me, yeah. So we were talking, um, obviously we've been talking for the past year, but we were talking, I'm like, what would be the best way to sort of share this experience with people? And we came up with the idea of potentially just having you on as a guest and right. me interviewing you about this process, what it's like spending an hour of your week in the insanity of my brain. Um, and then just basically, you know, therapy in general, how it's like how people view that if people need help. There's lots to unpack. We'll just we'll just jump right into it. How, how you doing so far today? Doing good, man. I'm yeah. really excited to be here. I thank you for the <laughs> opportunity. Um, there's a, a lot of conversations happening right now about mental health mm -hmm. and how to do it better or how to help our society. And so I think it's a really great opportunity to be able to use your platform to talk about that. I think so as well. Um, now, it might be a bit of... <sighs> I wish our platform were slightly more professional, but you know, take it for a grain of salt. We'll see. Sure. We'll see where we net out. How did you? Why? Let's 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 go back a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about you. What do you? What what are your certifications? How did you get into this? Sure. Who do you help? Give me the whole yeah spiel. Um, so I'm a I'm a psychiatrist, which mm -hmm. means that I'm a medical doctor. Um, I'm ac actually an osteopathic physician, which is just a little bit different school of uh, medicine, being that. At some point in my life, I knew how to treat somebody with my hands. And of course, as a psychiatrist, I never do that anymore. Right. But that is. But every time I walk in and I'm like, hey, I hurt myself in jujitsu. And you're like, what are you taking? And I'm like, yeah, right. this needs. You're like, stop taking that. Right. There, there, was a, there was a moment in my past where I could have treated your back pain with these guys. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that's the osteopathic side of thing, and or just the medical part. And so. After you finish medical school, we do residency, so we're talking like Grey's Anatomy season one at this point, mm -hmm. and you pick what you want to go to, go into, and so I elected psychiatry at that point. And so you do four years of adult psychiatry, and then I did an extra fellowship um, to learn how to work with kids, so okay. I did that. So at this point, I am a child and adult psychiatrist, and um, that opens the door to being able to help people through medication management, but also psychotherapy, which is kind of where I have leaned in my career and just gotten the expertise and training in that piece. And so um, at this point, the iteration of how I help people or what my career looks like is really focused on um, those kind of opportunities to work with people long term, more in depth mm -hmm. and being kind of the agent of change for their life that they're looking to get to rather than kind of exporting that out to another therapist. Um, I just really like doing that stuff. Interesting. Okay. And that, that kind of reminds me. So, so, so then to catch everyone up out there who may or may not be familiar with like why this relationship's happening right now is about, I think, a year and a half ago. And I distinctly remember this. I was, I was in Austin, Texas. We were visiting Rooster Teeth, uh, a partner company that we work with a lot, um, to make some content. And I woke up in the middle of the night because my sheets were too tight on me because I was having a claustrophobic panic attack. And I had to walk into the middle of the room and actually considered walking out of the hotel in my uh, in my underwear because I was like, I didn't know what was going on. And at the time, I was thinking about going back to jiu-jitsu, um, which is uh, ground grappling for people who don't know it out there, um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. 
and I was like, I was, I think because I was thinking about doing that, it was giving me more and more and more anxiety. Also, of course, we just started this business. Right. Um, we were, you know, the business is growing, but you know, you, you run your own business, you know how incredibly <laughs> fun that can be sometimes and anxiety inducing. Um, and so I think my overall level of anxiety was at an all time high, although I wouldn't have said it like that. I would have said I'm having, I am claustrophobia. That's how I would frame it to myself, to my wife. Right. Um, and I think largely I would do that because that seems more like less like I'm in need or have a problem mm -hmm. or less that I need to see someone about that. Like right. it's just, Oh, it's like, like, you know, if people have a fear of spiders, like, Oh, whatever. I mean, right. everyone's got a little bit of a fear of something. Right? right. But like what they don't tell you is that you're not, you know, if you see a spider, you're fucking head goes dark for a second. Sure. And you, sure. And you know, the lights start going out and you start going, am I going to pass out for a second? Right. Um, and that's a serious problem. And so I think at that point, that's when I decided to potentially find someone. Um, and so that process was pretty long, but I also, I should say, have been to a therapist before. I, my mm -hmm. wife and I have seen couples therapists um, just to work on our relationship and we occasionally touch base with them just to check in here and there, um, cool. which I very much recommend to anyone who's getting into a relationship or is currently in a relationship where you think there might be some things you wanna talk about, good or bad. It's never a bad idea to have um, you know an objective, or yeah, objective voice in the room. <laughs> I was like, not a subjective. Um, so you know, I talked to my wife a little bit and she was like, well, you should maybe look to try to find someone. And so I Google searched, mm -hmm. um, found a bunch of people in obviously the San Francisco Bay area. And you stood out for a couple of reasons. One, you, I think there had been was something in your bio that said you worked, I can't remember it now, but it was something about not, not sports, but something along the sign, the lines of like being like, I guess it was the cognitive behavioral right. side of it. Um, Two, you look like you work out, which is good. I'm like, okay, this guy's gonna understand that I'm trying to be an athlete. And then I guess there was a third one, which is probably the more important, which is you take my insurance. Right. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and that's and that's something that we should touch on because yeah. you know that's it. It sucks to say, but in this in this day and age, I'm like, I can't afford. Or I couldn't at the time. Still can't afford to pay full price to go see a therapist to deal with this problem. Sure. And so I was confronted with the idea or with. That, that first issue right there, which is like, how badly do I want this? Because I might have to shell out hundreds of dollars a week or a month to deal with this problem. And I'm like, eh, not that bad. So yeah. that was probably two to three months before you got an email from me. Sure. Um, and then eventually it got to a point where I'm like, okay, I need to do this. Like I need to get back in the saddle. I need to get back on the mat. I need to deal with this issue that I've never dealt with, by mm -hmm. the way, because hmm. every single time I've gone to do jujitsu, I found another excuse to not deal with these panic attacks I would have in these right. bad positions. Um, so I would have like kind of, I wouldn't say a situational anxiety, but it would be specifically if I'm in mount or if I'm in side control, if I'm in these spots where I can't get out, right. that's when boom, that panic would kick in. And that, but that, that had been a long-term experience of of those moments in jujitsu happening where those things came up. Yeah, that started, it's so the first time I recognized that was probably when I was 25. Okay. Uh, maybe 24, 23. So I had a, I had an old roommate of mine that was like, "Hey, I'm really into jiu-jitsu," and he got me to start watching The Ultimate Fighter, which is a you know back then was I think season one or two of this cool UFC show where people you know we're getting off rails here. <laughs> um, but he got me into UFC. He got me into the whole concept of of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and like yeah. what it meant. Prior to that, of course, I had been like, "I'm a karate man," you know, or kung fu. Like I'm, I'm all stand up. And uh, one second of rolling with him it just obliterated that in my brain all of that ego that i had built up and like this the training that i had done prior to that in martial arts i was like oh yeah. god like this is 
the humbling part of well it was terrifying actually oh, like wow. so this yeah. was more like he got me in a spot where i'm like i i don't know what to do here right and this is bad and of course you know being not an official trainer and not and me not communicating to him like right. this is a this is a bad thing for me that would happen over and over again to the point where i was like you know what i'm just going to come up with a very right. Well, I mean, I would even go as far as to like if I knew I was going to roll with him the next day, I would get like really drunk the night before, like hmm. party the night before. Mm-hmm. So I was too hungover to, to go. Right. Um, and did you realize you were doing it for that reason at no. the time? Well, maybe. Okay. I don't think I was as quite as in touch with myself <laughs> as I was back then yeah. um, or as I am now. Yeah. Um, so, so that happened. And then flash forward five years later, I'm like, God, I really want to. This is when I had moved up here for the job at IGN. Um, I'm like, I really want to give this another shot. And there was. They, we had a free membership over to, at a up, uh, Kevin. What's that place? It's not. It, it didn't used to be called that. But you know that place, like Los Matates, that that gym we used to go. Thank you. Yes, that's what it was. It was Rotor Racket because we, I used to love playing uh, racquetball with my friends. And one of the one time I walked in and I looked over and one of the racquetball courts had been, lo and behold, converted into a jiu-jitsu oh, wow. like gym. Yeah. yeah. So it was all matted and they would teach judo and jiu-jitsu and like cool. other things. And then the other the other side of it was like bags and stuff. So I think they were trying to integrate a little bit more MMA there. Um, and I'm like, well, like it's literally I'm seeing it every day. Mm-hmm. It's in the back of my mind. I've got to try Funny this again. How that happens. Yeah. Right. I'm like all of a sudden, all of a sudden it just pops out and. Uh, so I gave it a shot and the instructor was good. But again, I think it was one of those instances where I just I wasn't able to I, I just assumed I would get over it or not have to deal with it. Right. And I think in doing so that made it worse. And so that was about two months of me figuring out ways to not go. Right. You know, I would go right. maybe once a week. And then I remember specifically they started teaching judo and I'm like, oh, perfect, because judo was more about takedowns more about throws so i'm like great this is a i get to stand up right and if it goes to the ground i only have to be there for like two seconds before right. they stand us back up uh, which of course is not the best way to learn jujitsu is not by doing necessarily judo and not jujitsu sure. you kind of have to do jujitsu right um so i think that then flash forward god that must have been when i was that's probably 26 27 oh, wow. and then flash forward to i'm 37 and i'm like this is this is a problem mm. now i'm starting to get to a point where I, even thinking about going back to it was getting me to a point where I, I was noticing that I was having high levels of anxiety in elevators. Right. right? I was. We talked about this a little bit yeah. where I have to go to the front of the elevator and that, and like sit, like sit by the keys to right. be able to control something to be able to get out faster. Um, you know, I remember we'd be at Comic Con and they, you know, when you were at Comic Con, you're doing panels and stuff that you have to go through the back halls and things like that and they cram all the people in the panel all in one place Mm. and i'm like this is the worst experience of my life but i can't you know i can't show this right now because i'm with a bunch of people who are you know i want to be cool in front of um so there was that and then the the real the real kind of thing for me was i got to do like when i would get on airplanes i've i've never had a problem flying and then i finally started noticing it when i'd sit in the window seat and someone sat next to me i was like right so like it was progressing. It was, it was very progressing in a very bad way. Yeah, and I remember there was a soul event. cycle story as well. Oh, the soul cycle. <laughs> Fuck. I, lo- I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my wife. Sure. And I want to support her in all her endeavors okay. just like any good husband would. Yeah. You're married. I, you would completely understand. You could read between the lines on that. Um, I My wife would take me to soul cycle. Now, have you ever been to a soul cycle before? No. I've done spin classes, but not there. I've heard theirs is very different. Theirs is, <clears throat> well, obviously, you know, it's San Francisco, so the yeah. bikes are pretty much on top of each other because right. they have to maximize those revenue yeah. streams, right? This room, if that. Oh, it would be, yeah. I mean, it's probably, oh, well, I think the one in, in my neighborhood is a little bit bigger than this room, but yeah, it's like, there's like 40 or 50 bikes in there. Yeah. I mean, you're just, there's an ass in front of you and two asses right to the side of you. Um, God, I can't wait for your colleagues to hear this one. You're going to be like, this guy's <laughs> a psychopath. Um, 
but yeah, I walked in and they, you, you know, you have to squeeze through the bikes to begin with. And I'd done soul cycle before mm-hmm. no problems. And there was one moment there where this, the class started, the lights go down, it starts getting warm. You're, right. you're literally strapped in. So your feet, you know, that's right. Yeah, can't yeah. move. There's people all around you. And I started to lose my shit and my wife saw it. She looked over, she started seeing me pedal right. slower and slower and slower. And she just looked over and she was like, breathe. Now, she knows at this point that this is what Nick does, and she's seeing it happen. And She has never seen it happen, I don't think, until that point. Oh, really? And wow. then she looked over finally, and I think that might have been a breaking point for her. Not a breaking point, but a, but a moment of, like, like, I need to do something encourage him to do something about this. Right. And so beyond that point, that's when I started actively reaching out to, right. to therapists to see if there's some way I could deal with this, and that's when I got in contact with you. Yeah, and this was also after the bedsheet story. Mm-hmm. So we have this crescendo building of right. symptoms getting worse and there being this part for you that was very, that you just didn't want this to continue. Or what do you think was like the moment where you're like, that's it. Ten, I've been doing this for 10 years. It's over. I think, I think it wasn't any one moment. I sure. think it was a progression of, you know, if I look up therapists or if I look up like, you know, you do, you do what everyone does, right? right? How to solve claustrophobia, right, in Google, right? And that's how we solve everything these days. Right. And, you know, you'd get – specifically, there's a big community. and it, Obviously, there's a huge online community for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, BJJ, um, and everyone's very supportive. And so you can actually find threads of this. Hmm. Um, but, you know, people are ta- talk about breathing. They talk about um, a lot of different techniques. But ultimately, the through line that I would see when I would Google this is that you have to expose yourself to this. Right. And you have to – Find someone, either a instructor or, you know, someone who's a trained professional who can potentially help with the process of that. And so I thought to my, I was like, well, maybe there's some sort of magic cure to it. But in reality, um, as I've discovered, is there's no real magic cure. It's just really kind of that slow, steady progression toward the goal. And then once that that, that first easy goal is achieved, you go toward the next one, which is pretty much where you come in. And that's something that we've worked a lot together. Yeah. And I mean, I think that is the magic cure. The the formal version of the therapy is called exposure response prevention. And it's an idea that anything you're afraid of, you can overcome it. Um, Some people talk about it as inoculating yourself to it or just creating uh, a tolerance to it by introducing it in small, comfortable mm-hmm. steps that you have predefined. So it's not like, hey, I'm going to scare you. And when you come into the office, I'm going like to close five everything in. You have to plan it. You have to have given a person permission to exert that control or that, that stimulus into your life. And then you also have to have gone through the process of at least perceiving that you have learned the skills to be able to overcome it. And so that was our conversation when we first started developing your treatment plan. Um, I mean, the first, the first step that you did was to have you laying on the ground, right on your back. Mm -hmm. And how we got there was by breaking down, you know, we could talk about so many different versions of claustrophobia, but the one that you had the most investment in was your tight spots with jujitsu. And so we broke it down. What did it look like? What did it feel like? Where Mm -hmm. were you? I mean, in, in the, book of psychotherapy no detail is too small and right sure I'm, we may overdo it a little bit sometimes but if you go looking for things you'll find very right. important pieces that's very important though right because because to me you would you would ask you would sit there and say like what is like what is like kind of success look like for you right i'm like well success for me is being able to roll for however long i want how and, and get in any position and just be totally fine with that right, right? And you're like cool so that's our kind of end point right, right. that might not 
And I should note that that's we're close to that, but that hasn't quite been the case for me. I've still noticed every once in a while I get into bad spots and I have to tap or whatever. But we can get into that later. Mm-hmm. Um, so then breaking it back back down there from that, you're like, okay, well then let's go. Okay, so that's that's cool. That's ten right there, or that's right. and that's well, actually I shouldn't say ten. That's success. So what? Then you would say like, what is like on a scale of one to ten? I remember this. You were like, what? What is what is like the worst case scenario for mm-hmm. you? Or like, how does like? And I'm like, well, right now, worst case scenario would be if I go in there and someone puts me in a bad spot, I will freak out. I'll tap out and I'll have to walk outside. You're like, cool. That's that's ten. What's a five? Mm-hmm. What's a four? What's a three? What's a one? And I'm like, well, yeah. one would be me laying on the ground right now by myself and right. no one's around, and I just you know, there's a cool right. breeze on my face, and I can imagine right. you know, an open field. You're like, cool, let's start there, you it, know. But that that one still created some degree of discomfort, right? And because I knew there was a two after that somewhere <laughs> in my future, and then you know, you, you yeah, know. Absolutely. absolutely. So so there is that that part of your brain that that overprotective part of my brain at least that right. um, was. Always jumping to two, three, four, five, right? Right, and I mean that was even the the first stage of the intervention was me needing to tell you that you weren't allowed to do more. Yes, which was fascinating. Yeah, maybe. Well, so this is a fascinating thing, right? You're, you, I mean, maybe I'm self taught. Maybe people is just societal, or maybe I just I'm fooling myself. But the concept of always needing to achieve more is something that's kind of deeply ingrained in me, right? And mm-hmm. so when you would say to me, no, your quote unquote homework or, you know, the things that I want you to go practice today are just literally go home tonight, same time every night, try mm-hmm. to make it, try to make it a regiment, carve yeah. out five, 10, 15 minutes, however long it needs to be. Maybe it's one minute. Maybe it's just lay down for a second, Right. but do it every night, yep. lay down. You're not allowed to do anything else. Right. You're not allowed to watch videos while you're doing of jujitsu while you're doing it. You're not allowed to put pressure or weight on you. Don't do anything crazy. Just right. do that. And I'm like, I don't understand. That sounds silly. Yeah. I mean, that sounds simple. Too simple, right? right? I'm like, I need to have, yeah. like, I should immediately jump into that. And you're like, no, 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 no. That's, you're all, you're, you're, so, so there's still, even in that, the part of my brain that's like, I'm still expecting something else. Like, right. I'm still trying to arm myself for something else. And um, once I got in the groove of doing that, I'm like, oh, well, this is, like, we've, we've just eradicated one. Right. Cool. One's yeah. good. It's yeah. Done. And I, and I think that's part of the beauty of the method is that, um, you're exposing somebody or offering them space to explore something they've never seen. That if all a person does is come in and go through the same motions that they've been through, here's what I tried before, mm-hmm. I'm going to try it again, the same thing is going to continue. Yeah. I mean, it, many people have been um, given credit for the, the quote that the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. Right. So that's, that's what we do is that conversation, you're problem-solving mechanism went straight to the idea of laying on the ground. Well, no. That's useless. Let's put some weight on it. Yeah, I really yeah, wanted yeah. to put weight on yeah, your yeah, chest. Yeah. And, and, and so by, by restricting that, you know, there, we, we created uh, an opportunity that if it worked, there would be a wow moment. Whereas if you found your gains through your method, the same method you'd always done, it wouldn't have as much impact. And so right. I think that's what we... I don't know. I guess that's the question is, did we, we open did. you up to something you had not experienced? Yes. And I think it was just a different way of thinking, which is what I had hoped would happen. Right. Um, I think the whole point of of reaching out to help, to find help is to have someone be able to give you that other perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important. Like, I can't emphasize that enough, because if you are having trouble solving a problem. Right. And you are trying to do it like, you know, there, in your brain, you can feel like you're attacking it from many different angles. But you might not be 
Right. And that's not to say you can't like a person like I could not maybe have eventually done this on my own, uh, given reading resources, things like that. I'm, I'm not saying you can't do that. But yeah. what I am saying is sometimes an outside um, point of view is important because it can it can recognize that your all the paths that you think are different right. are actually on the same highway. Right. Right. You might need to take that. And I'm terrible at analogies, as you know. <laughs> I'm even worse at sports analogies. Eventually, I'll do a sports analogy. Like, sure. Nick, that's not how baseball works. Um, <laughs> but you know, you, you might need to take a different road to find that, and sometimes that, that might require a different driver. Um, so yeah, so we do that, and the next progression was, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was it was lay down and potentially you should put a pillow on me or something like that. But I think I skipped at that point. I was like, I think it would be cool to have like find a way to get someone that could sit on top of me. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I've married someone who was willing to do that. Which very is very important. important. Yeah, very yeah. important. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for a number of different reasons that we don't have time today to go into. Um, but well, but the, the quick version is that psychologically you have given her permission to do these things. Just like I said, you gave me permission to give you a, instructions mm-hmm. on things to do. She has your permission to poke the bear on your anxiety. And, and she anxi- calls me the Wolverine. It's there you go. <laughs> and, and anxiety, anxiety tends to hang out in, in um, our blind spots in a place we don't want people to see that if it were overt and a thing we, we were able to kind of think was a, a positive quality or something to be proud of, people would fix it all the time. So that, that's a lot of, I think, why that worked and why it was so valuable to have her. And for anybody that, that, be, the more you can involve people in the conversation and the process of getting better, um, that's definitely like the book on how to help people is get as many people in the game. And that's that leads us to well, so we can we can talk about that the my wife a little bit, but I also want to touch on the fact that there was it was a big moment for me to be like, should I tell the people out there, you know, our community that this is yeah, happening to me, yeah, right? Absolutely. And I think that was you know, that, that moment for me, I think was, it was not necessarily scary because we have, you know, the best community on the internet. We know that we've built that. We're going to continue to build that. Um, shameless plugged our community for anyone that's outside. <laughs> you should come. The kind of funny best friends are awesome. Um, but you know, sharing that, telling the guys, telling the guys like what I was doing. Cause I would come in with like bashed up fingers when, once I started doing jujitsu, but I didn't want to share right. that with them. They'd be like, what's happening to you? Like, mm. Do you need help? Are you, you know, someone kicking your ass that we don't know about? Um, but then finally being able to sort of be like, hey, this is the, this is where I'm at. I'm working on this issue, I think was was good for not necessarily that, but I think it it really built into like helping me in other areas of life. Mm-hmm. Right. So admitting that, hey, there's this thing that I am working on right now to everyone was this really kind of relief, relieving moment for me where I'm like, huh, because no one was like, pussy right at least they didn't say it's my was face was that your assumption of what it would have yeah, been yeah i mean because I'm, I'm a man right <laughs> i'm a five foot eight man shut up kevin um you know you, you well there's there's a lot of bravado there's a lot of ego yeah. built up into not ever needing help especially in a physical manner right and especially in, in a discipline like brazilian jiu-jitsu where you walk in and the whole point is to be dominant right is to submit someone i mean that's literally the vocabulary and the verbiage that people use is like i'm going to go in there and either choke this person out or they're going to submit to me right that's an intimidating thing and to have an issue with that and be able to walk into a a, you know a a a bjj school and talk to a guy who's got a black belt around his waist who is clearly not has never dealt with that issue or so i suppose presupposed right exactly um you know, that's that's something that I'm like, well, this is I can't show this with people. They're going to think I'm weak. They're going to think I'm a pussy. They're going to think, you know, I'm, I'm lesser of a man. 
or maybe I'll think I'm lesser a man when I see myself in their eyes. Um, so that was a good moment for me because I think the not only did people in the comments were they incredibly supportive, um, but people talk, you know, it opened up a conversation for people to talk about their own levels of anxiety and different things. And I think mm -hmm. that's important too, because once you start to realize that everyone has something, it's it's sad to say, but it's comforting. It's comforting to know that right. every, that there's no perfect human beings walking around looking down on us from you know from atop their pillowy cloud. Right. Um, everyone's got something they could either work on or should work on or are currently working on. Right. Um, I think that's good. Well, and that's a great thing about sports in general, and that's why I've liked using be it sports or just general performance as a medium for helping people find change because the allure of Brazilian jiu-jitsu on some level is that every person in that room has overcome something they didn't think they could. If it was like, come to this studio and do something really easy every day and it's gonna be the same every day, business model's over, like it doesn't work. Nobody yeah. goes to that. Yeah. It's, it's. And you get, I mean, even you look at that, you look at things like yoga and you think, oh, yoga is gonna be like that, but it's not. It's actually structured to the point where you can challenge yourself every day right. and, and grow in that. Or if you're me, you can sit in child's pose for 95% of it and just chillax. Right. But, but that's even the value of that is probably existing to oppose some degree of stress or something that a person needs in their life where that's my recovery phase. Right, 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 right. And so uh, when life is all recovery, we don't tend to be feeling like we're doing well. And that perception that I'm not happy or that I wish things could be better if, if we feel like the balance is off. Um, and we've talked just about the idea that humans tend to operate at their best when we are getting better at something. Yeah, that was interesting. Oh, I know, I'm glad you brought that back because I wanted to touch on that too. Was that we talked a little bit about when people start to feel complacent or when they start to feel stagnant in right. their lives. Um, and I think that, that that was definitely a portion of, of what I was feeling, at least with dealing with this thing, which was the anxiety was getting worse because I wasn't dealing with it, right? I wasn't mm -hmm. challenging myself to do it. And on some level, I was disappointed with myself and potentially, you know, kind of a little down on myself for not being able to, you know, figure this out. Right. Um, and I think that, well, actually, I'll let you talk to that. So what is the actual, like, psychology behind that? And then how does that play into anxiety and, and even going as far as how does that play into depression? Well, and so I guess there's a couple of different conversations to have there. One is about the role of diagnoses and pathology. So anxiety and depression being kind of diagnostic categories. Like we have a book, the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual, DSM, that says if you have this, this, and this, you meet this criteria, and now you have you've met the requirements for this disorder. And so there's a version of anxiety and depression that are that. But then there's also like, I'm sad. The Warriors lost a game, which doesn't happen very often, but I'm sad. I, It'll happen you could, more eventually. That's how sports works. Right. And so- um, the Giants right now. Yes, absolutely. And, <laughs> um, and so, you know, those, those being run of the mill things, but one psychological concept is that, so for anxiety, it is a an overestimation of threat or an underestimation of personal resources to handle a threat. Mm. So I look at a cat, my brain sees, sees a lion, turns on my sympathetic nervous system, fires up my heart rate, gets my pupils dilated. It's probably a vestigial reflex from when, if you're going to buy evolution, when we were um, animals. Yeah. Or not that we aren't animals. But so the the um, springbok running on the savanna from a lion is engaging the exact same system we are engaging when we're in soul cycle and it's bothering mm, us interesting um and so 
the people for whom that becomes a problem is really just a place where you haven't learned the tools to manage it, and therapy becomes a process of learning that. But like you said, you can learn that in many different places. Depression is in you know some um, schools thought to be a state of hopelessness, of feeling like this will not get better, mm-hmm. life will not get better, I am not capable of creating betterment. Can sorry to interrupt you. Can yeah. it, can a high level of anxiety or a high level of that of what I was experiencing eventually lead you down that road? Right. So a symptom of depression can be anxiety. A symptom of anxiety can be depression. Got it. Um, and and I guess part of that conversation should involve saying that there is a different version of these where they are very clearly neurochemical things that are you're born with and that they're this unrelenting force that is in life and that tends to be the type of thing that medication works really well for. Well, that was, yeah, I, so many different things. I'm sorry to keep interrupting. No, you. absolutely. But that was actually an interesting moment too because the first time we did, when we sat down to do the initial, um, I forget the terminology for it, the assessment evaluation. Assessment, right. Yeah. Um, you asked me, you were like, do you feel like, you know, is this is this something you feel like we we explored? I don't know if you actually asked me if you want drugs, but we explored the op, the, the the concept of going down that road of saying like, is medication something that you're open to? Is that right. something that you think you want? You like, do you think you would need or something like that? I can't remember how you phrased it. But right. You phrased it very doctorly. Um, uh, and I was like, no, I don't like take. I don't want to do that. I want to solve this yeah. the old the old fashioned way, which right. is uh, you know. However, we need to. Solve. I don't know. I don't know how to do it, but I don't right. like the idea of taking pills because, just in general across the board, like I took a Claritin this morning and I'm disappointed with myself. But we can talk about that next time. Sure. See you um, on Monday. Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but so so well, I got off track. I forgot where we were. I totally interrupted you for the 14th. Well, time. just um, I mean that part that there are some situations where I think we need to be able to have the conversation that medication is potentially even the best intervention. There's certainly, Mm -hmm. there are disorders, schizophrenia, um, ADHD, where the data is so clear, it's medication. Like you could do all the therapy you want with both of those disorders, you're not gonna ever be the outcomes. you can't change the brain chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And ADHD can have a conversation about accurate diagnosis, but that's a longer discussion. But, um, so sure, that can be helpful. Medication can make a difference. I have seen it change lives, you know, night and day kind of stuff. Um, But one of the underlying factors that seems to be most consistent with people getting better from a mental health standpoint is their desire to get better. Mm. And so if you come to me and say, I'd like to get better, and I say, medication, Prozac, here you go, take it every day. And you're like, I don't really want this. Right. The chances of it helping go way down. Interesting. And so that was a lot of our conversation about. Do the chances of it helping go way down because eventually I wouldn't take it anymore? Or do you think that it's just not like, it's just not in my brain the the, the thing that's going to help me? I think there's a, it's a very complex answer that on one, in one regard, mental health stuff is very hard to accurately study. We don't have a lab test that can diagnose it. We don't have a brain scan that can diagnose. We don't have one of those cool tricorders from, it's from coming, Star Trek. Man. That it's coming. Is it? We got to figure it out. It, Good. We'll figure it. It'll it'll be eventually. But no, we don't have that. So so the only way I can tell how to help you is to talk to you. Right. Even filling out charts or or scales or whatever does mm-hmm. not ever beat me talking to you. And so. Um, what inherently happens then is a lot of the research that we do on how to help people is influenced by placebo effects and by the the power of suggestion. Um, and so in that regard, I think there are definitive things like very severe depressions, depression that has suicidal thoughts, things like that. Medication beats 
psychotherapy alone sig- fairly significantly. Okay. It's not not hugely dramatic, but um, it still comes down to does that person want to? And so we don't we don't have a good answer on it because it's so hard to study that to try to develop a study where we can completely control out and know, okay, these guys were not at all influenced by suggestion is really hard to do. So um, I think that's why when I'm working with people, I really try to develop a plan at all points that gets them excited. Mm-hmm. That if, if what we say by next week or when we talked about goals, mm-hmm. if, if you can say, man, in a year I could, I could have this in my life, I could be this way, if I can get that emotion, that anchor of, of excitement in somebody, their outcomes are going to be much better. Than, that's why involuntary psychotherapy is not a thing. Yeah, I can so. imagine. Yeah, I mean, that, and, and, you know, going back to the old, uh, I, think, I think Bruce Lee said it once, where he was like, there's no help but self-help. Yeah. You have to want it first. Right. I think that's very important. I, I definitely saw that in myself, too, as I started to progress, was that I didn't, I wasn't willing to, I knew if I wanted to get a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, that was going to be a bigger, like not battle in my life, but a lot more effort than it was probably for the normal person who wasn't dealing right. with this issue. And I think for a long time, for, for a good period, I'd shied away from that just mm-hmm. because I knew it was going to be, but ten, I mean, I mean, I'm a year in now at this point, I think we're, you know, I can't remember we talked about it before, but I think I've almost been seeing you for a year last and week, yeah. yeah, last week, um, happy anniversary and, um, been training jujitsu, I think for a little bit less time. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a year in. Um, and still, still noticing that there's challenges involved in that. Right. Uh, but you know, like I've talked about before, I've said it before on some hot podcasts and we talk about it a lot too. I like, I can look back now and see the progression. Right. Whereas I don't think I could have seen that in that first time I walked in and scheduled that first private. Right. Um, and we should go back into that and, and, and talk to people about that process as well. But yeah. now looking back, you know, I'm able to do two to three classes a week and there's still anxiety that walks in. Like when I walk in, I'm like, all right, you know, today might be. A day where I, you know, I get exacerbated and I have, you know, my I, my gas tank runs out and I get right. put in a bad spot and I got to tap and I got to walk outside or I got to get some water. Um, so and what's the, different about the you that does that now than the you that did that? Three well, years I, th- ago? I think well, for one, the you that does like me now, that is just it's acceptable to do that, right? I don't see mm. that necessarily as a weakness. I see that as a this is just a part of the process. Yeah. Um, and. I think framing it, you, you mentioned something a little a few seconds ago that I think is important. Framing it in my mind as a positive thing is a very, very important thing. Right. If I walked by or a jujitsu uh, school or I walked by, you know, or I walked into class every day and thought, oh, fuck, here we go again. This is going to mm-hmm. be the worst thing. I'm at. This is going to be the worst thing. My heart will immediately start beating faster. And guess right. what? That'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. The important thing to me now is that I don't look at it as training BJJ. I look at it as 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 basically uh, training to get over claustrophobia, if that makes sense. Sure. So when I do encounter those moments, that's good. That's right. a good thing, right? Because it gives us it gives us that useful data to be like, okay, but how far in did you do that? Like I remember the first time I got someone put me inside control and I didn't freak out, mm-hmm. and I was like, huh, yeah. And I actually had. For a good thirty seconds of breathing, just relaxing, I'm like, I I am not freaking, and then I start freaking out. Right. Um, but I was like, but this is, th- it wasn't an immediate reaction. I got swept, I got put inside control, and I was like, you know, I knew where to put my hands, and I knew the proper way to 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 go about trying to get out of it. Because if someone's got really good right. pressure inside control, you're not getting out. But I also know this. I know these things, so I'm like, I know that I might be here for a while. Right. Just breathe, relax, and just know that if at some point you need to tap, tap, that's fine. Right. right. But 
I was very proud of what we had done at that point because I was, um, because I, I'd rec- I, you could literally recognize I was like, right. I have never been able to do this before. Right. This is never, I've never been in a spot where someone could hold me down and I'd be okay with it, you know, and just be comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. And that, so that gets into a conversation about flow that we could do if you want, but um, that just whole process of, of having progress checks, seeing improvement. Um, I mean, and, and I guess part of the strength in that story as well is that you did not achieve the first goal we set. Oh, well, that was, was it writing the email? No, well, no, you, yeah, that took a little while too. You, <laughs> your initial goal the day we met was to Kept get laughing. your, which belt? Oh, blue belt. Blue I think belt. I wanted the blue belt in 90 days. It was like 90 or 120 days, something like that. Yeah, I think it was six months. We, cause with our conversation was what is the minimum time it would take to get that? Right. And you said, here's how much time it would take. Didn't happen. No. So why didn't you quit? Uh, because at some point being goal oriented on that level that I, I think that became sort of the equivalent to people doing stuff for material reasons. Um, and I started to recognize that where I'm like, well, you get to a place where you're like, if, if you set that level of a goal and, and you know, the belts, a lot of people will tell you that, you know, it's important to, to have those milestones in your mm-hmm. training. But a lot of other people will say it's just a piece of color that you wrap around your waist mm-hmm. um, to let everyone know that you didn't just start, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm very oversimplifying that and for yeah. people who have trained, obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into getting a blue belt. That's right. really hard. Um, but at the same time, I'm noticing now that I'm just, I'm having fun just training and understanding the mechanics of it and getting that muscle memory down and learning the new techniques. And ultimately, I mean, I will, I think I'd still be disappointed if I trained for the next five years and never got a blue belt, but I'm just kind of enjoying the process right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a cool place to be. And I agree. That's what I think we've seen happen for you. So we set the kind of the summary of the story from a psychology standpoint, we set a goal, we created an emotional investment in it. Like the idea that day of like, all right, blue belt, you six months, that's going to be great. Um, that created motivation. You started working toward it. And then when you got there to the point where you were like, okay, I know how to get a blue belt. I don't actually want it. And the, like right now, that is not what's motivating me. Right. As much say, as my the, instructor's watching, I will take one <laughs> the next belt promotion, but it, the, the motivation <laughs> was the, was the process, the enjoyment of getting there. And, um, and so to not achieve a goal because I can't is so much more difficult than I don't achieve a goal because I don't want to. And the more things that we can put in our wheelhouse and say, the way today is, is my choosing and it is on my terms. Mm-hmm. I think there's just so much strength for wellness in that space as opposed to the the stories of can't and won't. Yeah. Well, I very much and, and I think there's just there's just so much to pile onto yourself in that regard if you, if you start working on that, right? Cuz like yeah. I said before, my brain immediately goes to to the the 18th degree of what this could be, right? And in reality like in, in if you're training jiu-jitsu like, you know, I'm around black belts. I'm around guys that have been training this for 10 to 12 to 15 years. Right. That's how long it can take to get that. Right. So if I'm thinking to myself, oh, fuck, I got to deal with this crippling like anxiety that I have for the next 10 years, that's probably not, you know, in order to get in order to achieve this goal of a black belt, right. that might not be enough motivation for me to keep going. Right. Whereas if I'm just like today, I'm going to train and I'm going to try to figure out the, you know, I'm going to try to work on my triangle technique. Right. right? Or my arm bar from, right. from guard. Right. I'm just going to I'm just going to drill that. And if I get in a bad spot, whatever. But like today, I'm just going to focus on this. This is my strategy for training today and enjoying today's you know, uh, session, then I think that's just so much more 
enjoyable. Right. You know, and it's so much more positive. Right. As opposed to saying, I'm trying to take, I'm trying to climb Everest right now. It's like, well, let's just get to, this is not even base camp. This is just right. like, let's get to the airport. Right. Hang out, have a latte. But it's interesting that the narrative, lattes. I don't drink dairy. The narrative of, um, of child <laughs> development isn't that there are a bunch of seven year olds, you know, hanging around today saying, man, I really want to grow up and be that guy who gets better at things. Right. You know, they sure. want to, there, it's, it's a story of how we develop heroes and the role heroes play in our lives and help us serve as guide points. And so, um, that it, it's a very, this story of, of learn, it, the, the idea is kind of wrapped up in an, in the concept of the growth mindset. Uh, Carol Dweck wrote a book called mindset, the new psychology of success, mm. an idea that, the fixed mindset says, I was born this way, I end this way, it is immovable. People who are great were born that way with mm. a special gift, and I was not. The growth mindset says life and people are totally plastic and modifiable, and that if we want something and are given the method to get there, we can get to anything. And, I, and that really has resonated with me and my work as a therapist, just seeing how often and predictably people can turn their lives into whatever they want when given the right method. And, and so... It would be really great, and I think that's what is kind of cool about what we're doing today, about offering people an opportunity to hear that there are people out there like that that could be those heroes. I know for me that um, Tim Ferriss was an example of mm -hmm. that, where his career is really built off of innovation and, and trying new things and developing and testing. And, and that's where people who do that, like I said, I think just really exist in a great space. I think that video games offer a great... Um, entry point for that because you get a new game, you go through learning it, you right. build better skill at it, especially now with games with leveling up, like it's this planned process. Yeah, there's literally strategy that goes into this that you have that, to that, you know, rely on your prior experience right. for. And be able to see that I am capable of getting better. Right. And and so that's that's an interesting piece that it'll be interesting. It'll be now that we have moved, you know, our games were not that way. Super, no. Super Mario was not, you were not better at the end of Super Mario Brothers than what you were at the beginning. You potentially you were the uh, you were you were vastly same. better right right and so now these people who are the kids who are growing up now with that experience of wow I can get better at something it'll be interesting to see what they do with life. yeah it's very it's it's actually pretty fascinating too because because obviously when we started doing this I started getting more and more back into gaming and so I had shied away from which actually is something I've just realized right now I'd shied away from those levels of experience because it took either too much of me. I would say it would take too much time, but mm -hmm. in reality it's the time commitment, but it's also the mental commitment, right? right? Of having to learn the intricacies of leveling up in the games, like, uh, you know, fixing your weapons, leveling up your weapons, uh, doing side quests to get different resources to make different things. Like that's a lot of stuff that goes into that. And so I would gravitate more toward like platformers where it's like, like a Mario, right? Where like, mm -hmm. yeah, you do have to have a, like the game does progress you, in a certain way, you do get slightly better at it, but you don't necessarily have to worry about uh, leveling up Mario's mushroom. It's right. just going to be there for you. It's not going to be right. there for you. And I'm like, I like that. There's simplicity that I can understand around my head around there. Um, but yeah, when you start opening up yourself to those other experiences, I think there's, I think there's actually a lot to be gleaned from that. And mm -hmm. I'm actually better at playing those games now. Um, there's a game that I like to play a lot, or I don't think they're making it anymore, unfortunately, but it's a series called Deus Ex. Hmm. Um, and that... I was drawn into it by the style of it, but it's actually a fairly complex uh, game with a lot of RPG elements. Um, not a ton of strategy that has to go into it, but still you have to, there's a lot of problems on it that's, that's wrapped up in that. And by the end of it, I'm like, oh, I get this. And then I started playing 
you're familiar with games. So I, I went from that to Bioshock, mm-hmm. and I had hated Bioshock when I first played it. I was like a pariah in the office because everyone's like, "You hate Bioshock? Right. What are you out of your mind? This is like a this is like the game, the game." Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like Ken Levine is a god. Like, this is a game that you play that's that's put on the same level as like you know in movies like a Blade Runner or things like that. It's a, it's a cultural achievement. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, I just don't vibe with it, man. It's just like, it's not a cool shooter. I would make excuses for why I was like, I don't want to learn how to play this game. Right. Went back and played that after playing Deus Ex, the, the recent Deus Ex, and I'm like, oh, I get it. These skills that I developed over here, maybe they don't apply one-to-one, but they're right. applicable. I right. understand now the like the mentality I'm supposed to have in doing this. And it started. It went from being a chore to being like incredibly enjoyable. And lo and behold, of course, I was wrong. Right. Bioshock's amazing. It is an amazing game. Um, and I think that's... That's something that I've seen mirrored there, but I think also the reason why I'm able to recognize that is because we've looked at the progress that I've made achieving the goals of, of you know, in training jiu-jitsu, and we've applied that across the board to other things right. in my life, right? Mm-hmm. We've applied that to my writing. We've applied that to the uh, my co- stand-up comedy, things that I'm, that I'm trying to achieve that I've always had as goals, but I always kept in the back of my mind as saying, look – that's there. You're never gonna achieve that. That's like that's so many different steps, and you don't have what it takes, and you're not that guy. Mm-hmm. And like exactly what you're saying, which is there are people that are born to do this stuff. You're not one of those people, right? Right. But if I'm being like, if I can toot my own horn for a second, looking back on all the things that I've accomplished, I I think I am one of those people. I don't think I was born necessarily to do it, but I've clearly figured out how to get to this point where we've got this this you know home built studio, mm-hmm. um, and we're able to garner an audience that, of people that quasi care what we have to say um so those skills were very very fascinating specifically the breaking it down skill right, right. the what does success look like okay what can we do right now to start to start us on that journey and then also that mirrored sort of like anxiety scale of like right. what's your what's the worst thing that can, for instance stand-up comedy what's the worst thing that can happen right no one laughs which by right. the way is way worse than you think and it happens all the time oh, fuck. <laughs> it's so hard especially with open mic comedy nights where you're just like everyone's there right. just to do their comedy then they want right. to leave and they don't want you to be better than them right um but so that's like the worst that can happen right or the worst actually like, i think could happen is like that gets recorded and right. someone's like this guy's an idiot and boom your career is over but that's even then that's not the case and so you know breaking that down it's like okay what's the first thing you do i'm like google open my comedy nights that's all i had to do for a week right Right. and then and then working from there um forward and so what that structure involved was coming up with something that you could guarantee to yourself you would do right so to come up with plans and say i'm going to do this next week and you know if it's going to be i'm going to go do an open mic night at the most competitive comedy club in San Francisco, if you end up doing it great, like, but the, the risk reward ratio is so off that the, in the initial phase of building momentum for goal achievement, you don't want to be going high, high risk, moderate to high reward. You want to go low risk, moderate to high. Right. It's like, it's like the, I don't know if you ever watched how I met your mother. I don't know if you're familiar Mm -hmm. with that, but there was a great episode where Barney's like, I could run a marathon. Right. And then he just goes and then was like, no, you have to train for that. I was like, I'll just run a marathon. And he goes and runs the marathon and he gets stuck in the subway because his, his, his legs don't work after that. Right. So it's, it's similar to that. Right. Which is like you right. don't if I, I could probably try to climb Everest right now. Mm-hmm. Right. I could probably just if someone put me on a plane, I could start. But I guarantee right. it would not have right. the correct effect. And then I probably never climb a mountain again. Well, and that's where these guys out there like Wim Hof are going to you know, show you that I can breathe a special way and I'm going to go climb Everest in just my boxers and not get frostbite and not die. Right. And so it's great to see that that's out there. I can do that and achieve that, but let's, let's make it smaller. Let's, what can we do today that you will guarantee yourself you will do that 
one year from now will be 10%, 50% on your way to your goal because that's a guaranteed model. That is saying that, and that's a sustainable model right. too, that's which is, yeah. this is very important, right? If, if my goal, you know, in, in, in writing, for instance, was just to open up my laptop. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no, I mean, I can do that. Anyone can right. do that, right? And that was one of the things too when I was getting stuck in a rut with a lot of, you know, I was noticing that like because the the, the training in jiu-jitsu was harder than I had expected and we were, right. we were dealing with, you know, getting me to classes and, and that was that was having an effect on me emotionally. I was like, I wasn't writing as much. Right. And I was, you know, that was disappointing too. And then that would also start that cycle of like, oh, fuck, you know, like I'm failing across all boards. Right. Even though I wasn't, uh, I was progressing nicely, but you, you can feel like it's hard to gauge where you're at when you're in the, right. when you're in the, um, the middle of things. Um, and so you would, you know, we would work together and you would say something like, well, just go to your laptop tonight, open it up. How like, how do you write? I'm like, well, I use it right on a web browser. Cool. Open up the web browser. Right. Then shut your laptop and do whatever you want to do. Do that for five days straight. Right. By the third day I was writing. Right. And that, yeah. by and the third so, day I just started putting words on paper and I'm like, oh, I just wrote for an hour and a half. Right. And we, and we've talked about that as that's kind of art of war stuff where right. the indirect techniques, the flanking techniques are the way that you want to approach things for the highest yield interventions because you are going, you have a system in place. You have this complex psychological mental structure to keep the status quo going. Your brain thinks that today is the zenith of its ability to protect you and create greatness in your life. And mm-hmm. so when you're like, hey, I want to change something, that's not how our, our brains, brains like, are no. really designed. <laughs> yeah, unless you've like trained it to think that way. Right. Um, and so you have to like avoid those resistances. And that's what we what we did. That if so with jujitsu, the first step you needed to do was get set up with a trainer and or a, or your coach. Right, and, right. All right, go in. I don't want to go in. All right, email him. All right, I'll email him. Did you email him? No. No. So yeah, we went by now. What do you need to do to get there? That was writing. Write your, write your screenplay. Mm-hmm. Ah, I didn't write it. Why didn't you? All right. Well, and then it was using your wife again. Right. And 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 so that's and yeah. So I mean, to go back to that, that was where I think, yeah. I mean, so this is so everyone out there can see sort of the level of progression is. It ain't pretty, but it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, going back to you know, me broaching the topic with my wife and saying, look, I need you to do this. Of course, she was like, sure, I don't care. Like, right. spoilers, she's laid on top of me before um, once or twice. Uh, and so she was like, that's cool. And I'm like, no, I need you to be serious about this so you can't, like, right. giggle and stuff. Um, Kevin, sorry, can you bring me a tissue and maybe a sugar-free Red Bull? Do you want one? I'm good, thank you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, there's a... My, my allergies are just the worst these days. And I keep going to different areas. So I keep going to like Austin and then like I like Vancouver. And every time I get off the plane, I'm like, oh, good. New pollens. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Oh, good. Yeah, just a roll of toilet paper. That's how that's how professional we are here. Yeah. <laughs> we don't? No. Why? Well, yeah, of course. Why would we? Oh, apologies. Um, so she, of course, said yes. And then it was. That was another kind of aha moment too, where I was like, okay, what I need you to do is just hold, like sit on me in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I don't know if it was good or bad, but obviously there's a, there's a connection I have with my wife on a sexual level. So I'm like, well, this is a little bit easier than asking a random dude right. to do this because mm-hmm. oh, I've, I've obviously been in this position before with my wife. Right. And so she did it and we would start talking and I just, I, then I had that one aha moment where I'm like, oh. Right. I'm not freaking out right now. Right. This is 100. I could stay here forever. This is 100. Right. The view is great, and and I can breathe, and everything's cool. Thank you, sir. Um, and so that was a good. That was a big step for me forward because I'm like, if I could do this here, then odds are, if I can, then th- I can do it in other situations right. with other people. I just need to. Um, and a big component of that was that initial email that I wrote. 
the reason I had a problem writing it was because I didn't want to admit that I had a problem. Hmm. But the whole point of writing the email and reaching out to a coach to begin with was to tell him that I needed to work on this thing, right? right. And so I reached out to uh, the head instructor at the studio that I currently go to, and he referred me to one of his brown belts. Um, and so the next step that were there was just meeting with this person and like doing the initial, like right. just doing an initial private. Um, and I should mention, of course, there's a cost associated with this as well. So there was, you know, I had to pay him for the private. That got a little expensive. But every time I would go in, I'm like, this is totally worth it. Right. And again, in my brain, I'm like, Ugh, I mean, I obviously want a lot of money. Right. So am I really going to, am I going to pay this much money to deal with this problem? And then eventually the risk reward of that was, yeah, I'm going to keep doing right. this. Because the first time I went in and did it. And was able to sort of start that the real the process for in my brain for real, which is like yeah. I'm in a gi, there's a brown belt in front of me, and if I don't tell him to stop, he'll strangle me, right? right? Well, granted, he's not gonna strangle me, but you know what I mean? Like he'll yeah. he'll push me to that limit, not knowing. Mm -hmm. And so I have to physically I had to sit him down and be like, this is I'm not here to study jujitsu. I'm here because I'm claustrophobic. I've had these panic attacks before in mount and in inside control and in these various positions, and I need help with this. And it was funny because I walked in with the with the the assumption that no one in the history of ground grappling or wrestling has ever had this problem no. before, and that I had a weakness that was that I should keep in the dark because shame on me. Yeah, How and weird what? Are you? Yeah, exactly. And one of the first things he said to me was like, "Oh, you know what's funny? I just that you just totally reminded me of something. When I first started, when I was like 15, I would freak the fuck out when someone grabbed my legs." Right. So like, you know, a technique obviously is if you're trying to pass someone's legs, you grab them right. and you see this in wrestling too, you stuff their legs and you kind of climb up a little bit. And I ne I'd never had a problem with that. I'm like, oh, people right. do that. It's great. But he was like, I would freak out and I would have, mm -hmm. I would have these crazy panic attacks because to him, that was that, right. that sort of triggering moment for him right. where it's like, fuck, this is, this is real. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, huh, okay. So maybe I'm not crazy here. Right. Um, and then obviously I, 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 you know, I did some, some research and chose a, chose a studio that's, um. Or a school rather that's very like has really cool people, mm -hmm. and the head instructor was is very very cool there as well. Um, and so, lo a little by little, it became just kind of okay to right. tell people like this is what I'm working on. Right. And so we went. I went. I think I did a couple months of privates first, and it was tough. Right. Like there were moments where like I'm like this is going to be difficult, but but you can you can sort of. Like in the class itself and in those privates, you, that could be whatever you need it to be. It could right. literally be a five-minute class. It could be a hour-long class of arm bars or it could be, you know, 20 minutes of on again, off again, like, right. you know, mount escapes, things like that. Well, and I think that's that would be my, my challenge to our society and, and the microcosm of what you just laid out is so perfect because somebody that you respected normalized it. Yeah. He said, I am that way as well. And, and unfortunately, due to the stigma that's associated with it, like you had to be in this place of feeling like this was a problem. Whereas if we were able to have open conversations with amongst our people about how, you know, I'm going to reveal my fear of something and it won't cause ruin or won't make me look weak. Right. Um, that's that's next level development for how we help people move this stuff along. It's one thing to say, mm -hmm. go get help. It's another thing to model how to do this well and how to have conversations about it and how to open up that line of discussion that um, I don't think we will see mental health achieve what it can until that becomes okay to talk about in public space. And that's obviously part of the reason why we're doing this, right? Is to, is to try to at least on some level as much as best as I can help to break down that, that, that wall of that, that stigma um, that, 
that surrounds mental health, right? Mm-hmm. Of saying like, you know, the word you mentioned the other day that you you think that the word crazy will be treated um, in the same like with the same respect that the word gay is treated now, right? So it won't be used as a pejorative anymore. Right. People won't say, I feel fucking crazy right now. You're crazy. Are you right. crazy, right? And I, I never thought about that before. Similar to how, you know, when I was 15, obviously, I didn't think twice about calling someone gay or right. saying something was gay, right? right? Where now that word in my brain has a whole new meaning. Right. Um, having lived in San Francisco, having, you know, being 37, reading a lot, you know, right. being around gay people a lot. Like, obviously, right. you treat that with a little more respect because it's real to you. Um, whereas I think that, yeah, again, the the notion of of seeing someone uh, to help you mentally, I think, is still seen, I mean, very much I mean, people do it in the dark, right? And right. it's unfortunate because you, given the nature of your client or your, your uh, uh, doctor-patient privilege, you can't talk about this stuff. Right. You literally can't right. or else I have to imagine, you know, a, gr- a group of guys in like white lab coats come take you away right. and never see you again. Right. Um, I don't know how, that, if I don't know if that's the, how the board of medicine works or not, but – in the other way, we, yeah. we take them away. Got it. But, but um, I mean, and that's a good point, that the power of what we could bring to mankind, let's say, um, if I could end a session and go, wow, here's some great thing that happened, um, or if somebody could leave my office and tweet out, just had this realization and, and now I feel so much better, the more that iterations of that occur in the human space of information now it's okay to talk about and now it becomes kind of commonplace and so that that exists in fitness and mm-hmm. in nutrition where somebody's going to leave their personal trainer today and say something great about what they did or they're going to go on a run and hit a personal record and and brag about it and i think w- when we can get to a place where people could brag about getting better with their claustrophobia and that's just how we should talk to each other as people right we eradicate most mental illness. I think that, I mean, again, I think as well that that is about framing, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's, you know, I mean, unfortunately, maybe this is just a half measure or a step that has to be taken, not a half measure rather, but 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 the initial step of saying like, look, yeah, guy, people like me, like this is something that is actually making me stronger. It's right. just making me stronger mentally, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that obviously the reason people like leaving the gym is because they have something physically to show for it. Like mm-hmm. look at how big my arms look or look at how skinny my, my, my waist has gotten or right. my, my six pack abs. Like, don't you want to be like me? Um, but there are those people that I admire that go out there and like, like the one thing I've always wanted to do and never had the balls to do it largely because I just don't work out that much is like, is do that. Hey, here's a picture of me with my shirt off. I'm going to try this for six months and see mm-hmm. if I can get better at this. Um, but that requires a level of vulnerability that a lot of people just don't want to do. They don't want to have, they don't want to put themselves out there that way. Right. But given the nature of my career, it's almost counterintuitive not to do that mm-hmm. because the whole reason that people like us is because we have these shared experiences with them. Like maybe we don't know it, but I'm sure there are people out there that are going through the same thing that I'm going through that listen to me might be like, oh, okay, hopefully right. this helps, right? Um, and I think it's getting there. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that's really important to touch on, which is that there are a lot of people out there that I look up to that do exactly what I'm trying to do right now, hmm. which is share that level of vulnerability. Share, say, I do have a problem and this is how I overcome it. Or maybe I failed. Right. And there's value in that value in saying like, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't work for me. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think that every time we do that, it really does break down that barrier of, of, of that pre uh, presupposition of, that person was born that way, right? Right, right? Like Schwarzenegger wasn't born with, a, you know, a, a record-setting body. 
He had to achieve it somehow. Well, then just listen to interviews with him. And, yeah. and consistently people in that, that, and it's in fitness, it's in investment, like invest, mm-hmm. um, venture capitalism, the hallmark of it is that you are going to strike out 99% of the time. So you got to just keep trying until it works. Right. And, and when we hear those stories, it, it's germane to us. It makes sense. But if I say the same thing about overcoming a mental illness, it's like, oh, but I you can't. And, and that's just not, right. that's not the actual experience on the treatment provider end. But because we have to, like you said, hide in the shadows a little bit, which needs to happen. We need do need. Uh, no, the, of course. The confidentiality of it. It's, yeah, it's, it it's, yeah, of course. It's, it's less about you. Right. I'm not, I'm not, ex- no, I'm not yeah, yeah. saying put a, you know, go right. out there and start tweeting about right. stuff. Um, but I am saying for people, you know, who are out there that may be in a, a, a fortunate position to have. Um, something like this, mm-hmm. you know, I'd want to encourage them to share this because right. the experience has been tremendously positive for me. Right. Um, it's worked, and that's important to say. You know, I right. think that, that I, I haven't just seen progression. I mean, I've right. seen progression to the point where I've got my first strap on my white belt. I'm on the way to feeling good about being a white belt, which is generally when people get a blue belt. Right. Right. When you start feeling like, hey, I've got a handle on things, that's when they put another belt on you because right. that's the whole point of it, right? Is you're supposed to always be sort of a little off kilter. Um, and so, you know, I think it's important to talk about that. Um, when I think there's a 30,000 foot version of what we've done together is that it hasn't just been, we improved your jujitsu, your writing, your comedy, your work here, that this has actually been a year long process of you getting comfortable putting yourself out there. Because Definitely. that what This could not have happened the first time I walked in your office. Right. I could not have said, let's explore this. Oh, by the way, I do a podcast. You want to come on right. it tonight? Not going to happen. Right. right. And so if, if we change the conversation to being about that, what we're actually saying is that we're not done, that there are going to be more things for us to, to work on and, and think about and challenges to create, and that Nick developing more and more challenges, who knows what is next. And, and I think that's so exciting to be able to say to every single person, if you go to this space to you know be at therapy or something else that offers you that access to improvement, it's guaranteed, and that's so powerful. I agree. Well, unfortunately, I think we're out of yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. This is good. A solid hour on the dot almost. Um, we, I would love to keep doing this, and maybe we'll have to do another one. We should actually ask, try to do another one of these later cool. on the road um, when we don't have a morning show to do in 15 minutes. Yeah. Corey, I appreciate you coming on, yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, uh, it's been awesome. Thank you so much for all your help, obviously, yeah. over the year yeah. and uh, for coming here today. And, yeah, for anyone else out there, do you want to give anyone any parting messages on if they – I don't know if there are any resources you would like to talk about or if they want to follow you, um, if you want people to follow you, sure. if you have a Twitter, yeah, or if there's anything um, that you want to do there. So the my practice um, is SF Bay Psychiatry. That's www.sfbaypsychiatry.com, um, at SF Bay Psychiatry on Twitter. And then we also have a consulting arm um, that we're working with, like Equinox Fitness is one of our um, – customers as it would be and just working on developing that kind of system for people who want to work on um, predictable improvement and that is optimum performance consulting optimum performance consulting.net or at optimum performs on twitter thank you awesome cool well i'll see you next week yeah good seeing you (laughs) thanks